Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Fun with drones or uh, drone repairs, more accurately, because that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, we're, we're just uh, about a day and a half out from, from taking off, and uh, I'm trying to get this little machine under my power and under my control but it's been uh, rather difficult so we're going to get into some of that fun stuff and a few other little updates here and there but uh, as I always say before we start the show if you want to support this show and uh, the content that I'm trying to create and will be creating out at sea quite often over the next few weeks uh, you can follow the link and become part of the Patreon family of uh, 50 strong members. Thank you all so much for your support. You are a huge part of the reason I'm continuing to do this and uh, also able to get out there and do some more sailing before it's too late. Uh, other than that, obviously, we still have the merch. Link in the description for that sort of stuff. And uh, if you want to contact the show, just reach out via sailingintooblivion.com and follow the podcast button to the contact the show, and those go directly to me. And uh, actually, just big shout out to Peter out there who uh, sent a whole slew of questions, which I will be getting to, I think, when I'm out at sea. I think that'll be a fun time to sort of mess around with those. Some personal stuff. I don't know if I'll get into that, but, uh, you know, pretty interesting. So I'm going to I do really enjoy getting uh, letters and things like that, emails from people. And, you know, I'll tell you, if uh, if you think of anything over the next day if you get it to me by monday morning i will have a, a little more fodder for the show when i'm out at sea but today's podcast so right now i'm i have this drone right uh this one is just so you know a ruco um pro 11 or something like that wasn't very expensive it was about 200 something bucks I figure it's going to be worth it for some some epic uh, epic drone shots out at sea. But I have a feeling it's just going to become a submersible uh, reef when I get out there and attempt to do this. But you know, I I had one of these. Uh, my my older, handsomer, smarter brother Sven. Shout out to you there, bud. Uh, he gave me a drone back in 2020 for the trip to the Northwest Passage. And my thinking with that was a drone would be something pretty cool to have as far as being able to spot ice and things like that up in the foreground. And so that was why I took it up there. Unfortunately, I definitely did not have the skill set uh, to be able to bring it back to me on the boat. And then also... I didn't have the forethought to go through all of the instructions thorough, thoroughly enough so that I could uh, actually turn off the switch that had its own little radar on it or something. It was a pretty nice drone. And uh, when it detected my shrouds and backstays, it, it lurched away from the boat. And uh, that one had a battery life of, I want to say, 15 minutes. 
And so, you know, I, I launch it and I'm like, wow, this is great. And it was super light wind. I was up in the uh, Labrador Sea and it looked like a perfect opportunity to do this. I was barely moving at all. Sales were up. And uh, yeah, essentially what happened was uh, I flew up for about two, three minutes and I was like, all right, I'm going to be smart. Let's pull it back in while I got plenty of time. This is going to be a little sketchy. And I'm sitting there trying to get it to me. And yeah, every time it got within about 10 feet of the boat, it just lurched back. <laughs> and I was like, no. And panic, you know, uh, nerve endings are firing. Cold, cold uh, shiver down my back. I'm, I'm looking at this drone and it's flying. It's right there, but I can't get it. And uh, attempt after attempt after attempt, and I'm watching that battery level just drop and drop and drop. And, you know, I know it's inevitable. And I even thought about just trying to fly it over over Sparrow high, high enough so that it would be up there when it died, and then I would have a chance to catch it. But uh, unfortunately, um, you know, in the few minutes that I had, I couldn't quite come up with a, a really good game plan to get that sucker back. So... If anybody wants that drone, unfortunately, it is on the bottom of the ocean up there and, uh, you know, waiting for some oil platform to, to drill it uh, up or something like that, I suppose. But, um, you know, that was my first lesson. And, you know, honestly, the, the first thing you think of when that happens is I'm never, ever getting another drone. I'm never going to waste any money. And I, you know, obviously I didn't even have to pay for that one, but it was... <laughs> It was a lesson for sure. And so, you know, um, years have gone by, and finally I'm back in the drone sense of mind. I guess it's one of those things like, uh, you know, um, like my mom always tells me that when you, you give birth to your first child, it uh, you sort of swear it off there, but then, you know, suddenly those memories of all the pain of labor fade and uh and you uh get back down to business <laughs> so i'm sort of in that situation right here and uh yeah so what what happened just now a few minutes ago i'm flying this thing trying to you know figure it out get used to the controls and everything and uh i'm playing with launching and landing it you know on to my hand over in a little parking lot area and unfortunately it, uh, unfortunately, it, it, uh, oh, no, that's not different. That's a different one. Oh, boy. You know, you got to pay attention when you're replacing these rotors. <laughs> unfortunately, all of a sudden, everything just died and it fell out of the sky. Luckily, it was only about five or six feet, um, in the air. So, not a huge crash by any means, but, uh, it damaged two of the rotors. Luckily, there are, uh, some spares that I'm installing at this very moment as we speak. And hopefully I'm not going to screw this up because, uh, like most men, I have not read the instructions. Uh, I glanced over a YouTube channel <laughs> to try and figure this out. But I think I do have it uh, on lockdown here. We just got to get it lined up, and, uh, and then we should be good. But, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of funny, though. I... <laughs> I thought I had already lost this one when I first had it. We had a bit of a nor'easter blow in down here, and for about four or five days, it was blowing like 45 knots or something like that, and that can't be right, can it? And uh, it got pretty crazy. Um, 
And when I went to try and fly it, oh, they're all like specific. Okay. Sorry, folks. I am, I'm literally trying to do this while, oh man, how does that, how's that supposed to work? Oh, okay. There we go. Aha. Gotcha. They've got them all port and starboarded out, so to speak. Uh, every blade is independent. So you only get one replacement per per blade on this one. But it's pretty easy. It comes with the world's smallest uh, Allen wrench uh, or Allen key, whatever you want to call it. And teeny little screws. Holy cow. But, yeah, so I'm flying this, uh, you know, on kind of a windier day than I realized. It didn't feel that windy while I was on the dock, and I may have. It was in the evening. It may have been post-cocktail hour, but regardless, I launched this sucker, and <laughs> the winds are out of the north, so the swamp and the river and all that sort of the reed bed is is in upwind, and downwind is a street and then a high school and then uh, just residential area. And then essentially it took off, and once I got up to an altitude of maybe 50 meters, 150 feet, it just, the wind took this thing, and it just took it fast. And I'm trying to angle it back, head it back towards me, and for whatever reason, it had none of that. And uh, basically, I all of a sudden saw that I was way past the road. I was past the high school and I had bottomed out as far as the range. The the range on this thing is not very far. I want to say it's about uh three or four thousand feet. It's like a kilometer or something. And <laughs> just boom, lost connection with the remote. And I was like, well, there we go. Dumb. I should never have bought another drone. I'm stupid. What am I even thinking? And uh I walked over to the dumpster. I threw the I threw the remote control in the trash, and uh, I was like, oh boy, I hope I don't get a visit from the police telling me that my drone somehow crashed through somebody's window or whatever. Uh, I didn't think that, because this is a very heavily treed area, so I can't imagine that uh, it wouldn't have just got caught up in one of these giant, old, beautiful trees that we have down south here. They are absolutely gorgeous, covered in that uh, grandpa's beard sort of... uh, I don't know if it's like moss or lichen or whatever, but in any event, <laughs> so I walked back down to the boat a couple minutes later, kind of sat and chatted with somebody for a bit and uh, didn't really tell them what just happened. But uh, then I get down to the boat and I'm about ready to hop on it and I hear the familiar mosquito-like sound of a drone directly overhead and I look up and the drone is back. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So essentially, there's like a safety program or protocol, I suppose, in this drone where if it loses connection with the remote, it will then just return to where it was launched from. And that's exactly what it did, to my amazement, believe it or not. And um, yeah, I was I was super stoked. I was really happy. I couldn't... Uh, I, I was like, holy cow. So I quickly grabbed my iPhone, <laughs> which can be used as a remote uh, independently, and I just land it. And luckily, I, this, that's one of the reasons that I purchased this this drone was that it, it stated that it had a 60-minute battery life, which I, I think is a bit uh, ambitious. I think it's more in the 30- to 40-minute range, but that's a heck of a lot better than 15 minutes for sure. So... 
yeah, it uh, essentially, while after after giving up all hope, I think essentially this little this little device was fighting its own battle through through the winds of the uh, you know 100 300 foot altitude and trying to get trying to get back to me and uh yeah it was it was pretty shocking and i land it and i bring it down below and i'm like i'm sorry little buddy you know you, you almost anthropomorphize um you know sort of a just like i do with mongo and stuff uh a little bit of uh human aspects to this little drone i haven't named this one yet but all right, now I've replaced all of them. Um, but yeah, I take it down below and I'm just like, never again. I'll be more careful with you. And now I'm replacing blades on it. <sighs> I tell you. So, well, there we go. I think we are, we're, we're living it. Let's see if it fires up. Oh, <laughs> cool. All right, well, let's turn you right back off. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't know. I, these things, I think it was one of those things where you, you buy these things and you think, oh, this is going to be great. Be able to get some cool aerial footage. Uh, that'll be that'll be fun. That'll be worth it. But, you know, in reality, uh, maybe I'll get like a five-minute video, two-minute video, something like that, some clip out of it or something that I can use as like B-roll maybe uh, for, for whenever I come back. But it's... Uh, uh, tell you the truth, I, I'm I'm like almost embarrassed when I fly it because it's loud and it's kind of annoying. I know that personally, there's been times, especially when I was in the BVI, uh, right after the big trip, where people would fly these things and they'd fly them over the boat. You know, it's got a yellow deck, so people are like, "Ooh, look at that!" and and you get the stupid little mosquito up there. You don't know if somebody's like filming you or whatever. And all I want to do is grab my shotgun and just shoot it, but. Uh, so I try desperately not to, I don't fly it all the time, and I try to sort of go away from the boats, because heaven forbid as well, I mean, could you imagine if you if you ended up uh, running out of juice and the thing crashed down from 300 feet onto somebody's yacht, the amount of damage that would do? I don't even want to think about that. So I try to be as, as uh, mindful and careful and respectful of others, because these things are really, truly annoying, so... Uh, for me, it's it's just one of those things. I, I just want to at least be able to have a pretty basic uh, understanding of it before I go out so that I have a maybe 20% chance of recovering it and not losing it uh, on my first flight. And hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll actually be able to actually capture some, some decent, not only drifting floatage, but or uh, drifting footage, but also some some actual light wind sort of sailing footage. That's really the ultimate goal is to get comfortable enough with this thing that uh, when I'm out there in, say, a nice, like, 5 to 10 knot breeze, got full sail, got the drifter up, that sort of thing, I'm able to fly this and take some, take some pretty nice footage because I only have, like, one or two really short video clips where I'm actually sailing that were taken by other boats. So it's kind of rare folks. It really is. Uh, and the solo sailor in me wants to be able to do everything by myself. It's a, a blessing and a curse one. You get to learn a lot of stuff and you, you have to come up with all these solutions, but 
It's also a curse because you you get pig-headed and you're like, no, I'm going to do it myself. And da 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 da. Um, so I don't know. It's one of those things. I'm uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. But tonight we got a nice little dinner. Uh, a few friends and I are going to go uh, with the doc master here up to a restaurant. We're going to have a nice meal. Last night I got fed by my buddy Scott who owns a West Sale as well, part of the family. It's just, like, fantastic. Um, it does always feel pretty nice. Just just right before you're about to head off on a trip, everybody's clamoring to try and feed you and, uh, and buy you a six-pack of beer or whatever, which is great. And I try never to take that for granted. But at the same time, it is kind of one of those things where you're like, oh, I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> but... Uh, luckily, at this point, because of the delays, I actually don't have a lot of work to do. I've got to replace a few bungees. i got to record some podcasts. I have an interesting interview uh, tomorrow. Or I shouldn't say interesting interview. It's more about the subject. And uh, one very, very cool person is going to sit down and we're going to talk about uh, some some interesting uh, eating eating it's the eating episode or the lack thereof we're going to talk about like fasting and and what it's like rationing food when you're out at sea and all that sort of stuff but um yeah it's a i don't know it, it's pretty cool i essentially we've got tonight and we're going to sort of play and and have have some fun tonight and then tomorrow will be the shopping day i have luckily held off and not hit the grocery. I did hit the liquor store and I got some other essentials, you know, the hardware store and stuff like that. So, uh, the last thing to do is buy the food, but I know from past experience, it's always better to wait to the day before you depart, uh, to buy all the food because I, I have an insatiable appetite and I always break into that stuff before I should. And it, it is kind of funny cause you know, I'll break into like a a thing of cookies or chocolate bars or something like that. And as I'm eating it, all I'm thinking is I'm stealing from the future me. What am I doing? It's going to be so much better when I'm out at sea. But, you know, that's uh, that's just a, a little glimpse into the uh, the mind, the maddening mind of Jerome Rand right there. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, so we're looking forward to it. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked. I cannot wait. The forecast looks fantastic. Um almost idyllic uh when it comes down to at least the first week um you know i'm i'm technically i'm testing all the repairs and everything and making sure everything works in the new system with the new uh uh with the new position of the secondary solar panel and all that sort of stuff but ideally i just want to be out there on the ocean and i want to have some nice uh, amenable conditions for some good sailing and non-stressful gale force, that sort of thing. So, you know, towards, um, within about a week, we'll have, we'll have some new systems coming off, but for that first week, it's going to be, uh, a fight to stay in the wind. And I think essentially the game plan will be to try and stay just about on the same latitude as, uh, Bermuda, and that should keep me in a good, you know, 8 to 12 knots of breeze. It'll pump up and down a little bit. And then there is going to be a bit of a calm uh, after just a couple of days. But hopefully I will be well past the Gulf Stream, out of the danger zone, out of the shipping lanes, and uh, let the calms rain. I have no problem sitting on a nice flat sea 
and uh, just enjoying the view for a couple of days before the winds kick back in. And then once I get out there, uh, I'll either stop in Bermuda or I will continue south to try and hook into some southeast trade winds and uh, make my way back because I don't have a ton of time. I've got essentially about 20 days uh, to be able to get, well, yeah, like 20, 25 days to be able to get out and back and haul the boat and then uh, boogie up to uh, the job and everything. So it will be uh, a little short-lived, but I think it'll be pretty fun, and I'm super excited to be out there. The moon is almost at the new moon phase, so it's kind of cool. I'll be able to uh, watch in awe as our close, close little planet um, comes into full full moon mode and I get to see all that but I also get the the full-on stars and everything that's what I'm looking for more than anything and yeah just be able to enjoy a little offshore life without uh without any worries and and things like that hopefully I I don't want to count my chickens before they've hatched by any means so we will see but uh for now yeah it's sort of I keep glancing back at this list that I've crossed almost everything off and yeah, I, I, you know, every once in a while you come up with something else, but I've, I've essentially, I think I've got everything I need. And, uh, you know, when you do set sail, obviously there's always a couple of things that you forget or you wish you would have had, but in the end you can make do without them. Uh, I think John Kretschmer always has this saying where, you know, after something breaks, uh, the big question is, is why did I really need that thing in the first place? <laughs> Which is a great way to think about it. Um, you know, all these comforts and things like that, I'm kind of looking forward to shucking them off and especially the screens and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it'll be nice to video and create some more content and things like that for when I come back. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to a little bit of low level input while I'm out there. Um, the sun, the sea, the sky and the stars, hanging out on Sparrow, reading the the few books that didn't get trashed uh, on the trip. It's going to just be, uh, hopefully it'll be great. Obviously, there's going to be some issues. I'm going to run into some problems for sure. But, um, you know, that's that's all part of it. And as long as you have the confidence in yourself to know that you will be able to overcome those issues, then it really isn't uh, something that needs to be worried about. But you know, just something anticipated. Make sure you have the spares, the things you need, uh, extra can of oil, that sort of thing. But hopefully uh, with this forecast, so one of the issues that I end up dealing with uh, being up here in Buford is that we're pretty far inland. Uh, we're way up the river. I mean, uh, normally I'm motoring for like five hours just to get out to the sea. And it's kind of annoying. You end up, you know, chewing through about two, three gallons of your fuel, which isn't that much, but it's it's more about just the fact that you got to listen to the engine run and all that sort of stuff. But I'm going to be setting sail. Um, there's two routes out of here. One, you can go down to Port Royal Sound and then out the main channel. The other route is to go a little bit north and then due east through St. Helena Sound, which is the preferred method for me as far as the weather goes. And the tide as well. Um, I'll be leaving, obviously, on a high tide or just beforehand. But on Monday, by the morning, we've got a nice, like, 13 to 15 knots of uh, northwesterlies. And if I'm headed east, that is perfect. Uh, I'm hoping that I only have to motor for, like, maybe two hours, and then I can set sail 
and I can just blast down the rest of the way and hit the open ocean by, you know, two, three in the afternoon. And then it's about, well, let's see. I don't know exactly how far the old, the old Gulf Stream is. Um, you know, you, you don't have too much heavy shipping, um, a little bit, because you've got Savannah to the south. But let's see how far the old Gulf Stream is right now. And, you know, with the... I checked the Iridium Go and everything, and I still, I'm pretty pretty astounded. Uh, you know, I bought a 1,000-minute or 1,000-unit card, I'm not sure, when I left on this previous voyage, and that was for a four-month, possibly five-month voyage. And uh, I was able to check the minutes, and I used just over half of them. And, you know, knowing that I was headed back to the States and dealing with all the, the rough weather, I downloaded the weather and the currents uh, so many times. So very, very impressed with how that worked out and how well that app did luck grib. That was... Uh, that was pretty nice, and the whole Iridium Go setup, super happy with it. Not even going to be using the um, Garmin inReach this time. I'm just going to do updates. Unfortunately, there's not going to be any tracking for this, but it's not going to be an exciting trip in that uh, in that form anyway. So I think uh, it's not really too much of a worry, but it's uh, I will be doing updates to, obviously, my mom um, because that is uh, absolutely... Uh, it has to be done. <laughs> so that's that's a for sure sort of thing. But let me measure this up. Let's see. Uh, from there to there. Gulfstream's about 90 miles out, and it's about 50, 60 miles wide. There's a bit of a swath of, of lighter currents around it. But, yeah, essentially, um, if I leave Monday morning, I should by Wednesday be pretty well and clear of it. And it's kind of headed north-northeast, and then once you get out of the main flow of it, then it's pretty much headed due east, and uh, probably by Thursday, I will be out of the clutches of any sort of strong eddies and things like that. Um, and I'm staying well south of, of where it gets really snaky and, and all the big eddies come rolling around. So I'll be out just kind of in, in normal not moving ocean, which uh, will be pretty nice for sure. So so we will see. Um, but other than that, yeah, that's that's just a little update from today um, that I just felt like uh, I might as well <laughs> dive right into one of these. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I can get one or two little interviews to go out while I'm out at sea. They'll be just like once a week um, just because we've been so busy here getting everything sorted, but, uh, it seems like that, that still works out pretty well. I mean, I, I really enjoyed doing the two podcasts per week, but you know, there is a point where you sort of run out of, uh, things to just constantly be talking about. And, uh, when you get caught up with other projects and things, then it, it does become a little bit tricky. I'm sure for the summer, the goal will probably be to just do like one a week. Um, but you know, if I feel like a uh, chatty Kathy out there on the ocean and I'm able to record every single day, then then I'll, you know, if I have a whole bunch of these things banked up from out at sea, I'm hoping to get pretty weird out there, you know. Uh, with this new microphone setup, uh, I'm hoping to be able to actually do a few podcasts from up on deck, especially at night with the stars and everything. And, you know, I when I'm on land... If I'm doing a solo podcast, I'm I'm trying to produce something that's kind of cool, 
uh, you know, that makes sense. I like to have a subject. I like to have some sort of plan of attack, I suppose. Uh, but out at sea, it's more of I, I want those podcasts to be as genuine in the moment, you know, scatterbrained, whatever. I, I don't really I, I think of those as more of a almost a social or a antisocial experiment of, you know, hey, this is where my mind was day one of this, you know, 20 day trip out into the Atlantic. Um, and almost to be able to, even if they're only like 10 minutes long or whatever, it's for me, it's kind of neat to be able to progress through them all. And you can sort of see like the isolation take hold or changes in the weather change hold and things like that. I think it was, would be pretty cool. And I, you know, I, ideally it would have been great to be able to do these podcasts while I was going around the world to have, to have that sort of insight into a person's mind when they're out there and in the Southern Ocean and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, maybe someday we will we will have to see. But uh, that is all for now. I've got to start getting cleaned up to, to head to dinner and stuff. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you totally for all the, the support and uh, helping helping this old sailor get this old boat ready for the ocean and uh, I just want you to know I am excited I can't wait to get out there and uh, hopefully it all goes well so until next time thanks for listening